What's up, everybody? Welcome into Crossing Broadcast on a Thursday afternoon. This is the first week of our uh, our new schedule that we're trying out here. We're going Monday and Thursday. Uh, Russ Joy. We can bring Russ Joy up right now. Russ uh, kicked off his uh, solo show on Monday, Russell Reacts. Uh, that's what I'm calling it. Not sure if we have an official name for it yet, but uh, it seemed like it went well. The, was the feedback good? You got good feedback on your 45-minute uh, monologue the other day yeah feedback was largely positive uh craig earned his two hundred fifty thousand dollars salary uh we had we had the thing humming along people interacting and uh had a call on the line a message on the line from a kevin in lansdale so that was very interesting listen if if you want to know how the show went ford who calls me the white marcus hayes has even commented a few times that it went well. So <laughs> that is a great nickname we're here for. the white Marcus Hayes, right? So uh so right for people who are listening, uh watching, if you if you're not aware of what the new uh setup is gonna be moving forward, we're going from Monday uh and, and Wednesday to Monday and Thursday. Monday will be Russ's solo show, Russell Reacts, where he's taking your phone calls and monologuing and talking about anything and everything he wants it to be an interactive you know participatory get in the comments ask him questions call in let's make it a big uh crossing broad community right that's the gist of that show thursday we're a family we're a family here we're a family yeah. we're a family here right so thursday then it's going to be me and russ um and we're going to go through all the teams and just talk about the topics we've been writing about on the website and uh get some good guests on and we have a good one today uh, we have Tony Bruno. Tony, let's bring Tony on. Tony's uh, in sunny Southwest Florida right now. Oh, we just need to pan, pan him over. Look, yeah, can, okay. You, do I move or yeah. does the camera move? We need you to move. Unfortunately, I'm just sitting behind a computer. I'm here. going to wrong. Okay, here it is. There okay, we go. Here, That's perfect. Uh, by the way, Beautiful. guys, th- uh, thanks. Uh, you know, I, I never met Russ, but when I first saw Russ on jo- a Joy on Broad, I thought it was a strip club right near uh, a Broad and Tasker there, but it's not. It's a real man. His name is Russ Joy, then yeah. thus the Joy on Broad. Yes. Good to meet you, Russ. And I enjoy your work, nice guys. You know, I'm always following Crossing Broad. I'm always giving. I gave you the I, I gave you the Dom exclusive from the Super Bowl where I was for nine days. Dom, the big the big Dom, yes, was, was big Dom there. was there, and it was yeah. no doubt, guys, that Jeffrey Lurie, after his guy was punished and banned from the sidelines after the San Francisco game, remember he was not allowed to be anywhere. All yeah. of a sudden, here he comes, Las Vegas, everywhere, at every party. I was at a Michael uh, Michael Irvin party, the only party I went to, and I see Big Dom outside of this club we were, and I said, there's Big Dom. So I rushed down there, opened the door, and let him in. And I had never met him, but he says, oh, Tony Bruno, another Philly guy, I love you. So I bring him up, I take a picture with him, and I post it, and then on Sunday... He's the guy on the sidelines with Jeffrey Lurie at the Super Bowl. So I think there was a mea culpa. I think the NFL and the commissioner said, hey, you know, we punished your guy. We know he's your security guy. He wasn't just some thug on the sidelines. So they allowed him there. And the irony, guys, guys, is that there he was on the sideline in the game in which Dre Greenlaw, unfortunately, got hurt and left the football. Is that irony? I mean, is that is that not something that should be a documentary? There's the picture, Big Dom. He looks like he's 15 years old, man, but he's legit. We love Big Dom. Shout out to Big Dom. Very youthful face. Kind of ages in reverse here, but you know what, Tony? I mean, there's some people out here who're saying that they've had enough of Big Dom that they thought he was a little overexposed. You know, it's kind of like with the Jason Kelsey stuff. It's like every day we get it. Like, well, my retire. I'll let you know if I'm retiring soon. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do. He's popping up in all these viral clips, but. uh, it was a good comeback story for for Big Dom. I was surprised to to see him there for sure. Uh, 
I, so we so we are thinking that he was uh, he was just doing security for 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 Lurie or whoever out. Why yeah. did do we do we know why he was out there? Uh, no, I, he was everywhere though. He was. He, I saw him in multi. Wasn't he in one of the boxes at the game? And so I, I'm telling yeah. you guys, this I can't confirm it, but Jeffrey Lurie's there on the sidelines with Big Dom. You know the commissioner's there. So if he was banned from the sidelines for the rest of the year. Why is he allowed on the sidelines at the Super Bowl? I well, think right, this was a bad culpa. Ban. It wasn't a it wasn't a postseason ban. He's got a know. he's got to protect Big Red in perpetuity. Exactly, and Big Red went over and gave him a hug. Jeffrey Lurie got hugs, sure. you know, and uh, even even Howie was there giving uh, you know Big you know Big Red his hugs. Which and guy his do you love. think was able to get the arms around the other one more? Uh, Big Dom could get his arms around anybody, man. I mean, he I he tried. He, I didn't hug him, but. I mean, he's a big man. He's a big, big man. And he's a hero. He's a hero to all Philadelphia sports fans. Everybody wants to be Big Dom right now. We've tried, Tony, we've tried to get Big Dom on this show. <laughs> we've tried to get him to do media. He doesn't do any me media at all, you know, for, ob for obvious reasons. And he's he, like, he's open about it. It's like Ray Donovan is not going to do media with anybody in his imaginary show either. He's a fixer, <laughs> right? Like they don't, they don't talk for obvious reasons, but we will try. I got, you remember all those Joe Cordell commercials from when you were on the fanatic back in the yes. day, the divorce lawyer, Joe Cordell it took me five yes. years to book him. But I may not, I, I might not be licensed in your state. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Cordell yeah, and yeah. Cordell. Are they still in business? Yeah, they're the largest uh, domestic litigation law firm in the country. I, I still, I want, I want to say, but uh, yeah, he was great, man. He was a big Kentucky Derby fan. He was giving us all these stories about going to the Derby back in the day. So, but the point of me saying that is like, if we can get him on, I think at some point we can probably get Big Dom on. Yeah, right Big now. Dom's going to come on. Nothing. I nothing mean, if he's out partying every night at the Super Bowl, you know, and getting love and adoration from fans all over, except the 49er fans, then you know he's one of us. I mean, he's a Philly guy. He's a Philly guy. He's a Philly guy. Philly respects other Philly guys, even when you're in, in Las except for Howard Eskin. I don't know if Philly guys respect him. I didn't see Howard at the Super Bowl. He's usually there walking around. I didn't see him at all, but he is in Clearwater, which is right up the road from where we are. And by the way, it's a beautiful yeah. day for make-believe baseball where pitchers and catchers are stretching and fans are arriving. So for people who and, don't for people who don't realize, Tony's in uh, Cape Coral now, uh, southwest Florida, Fort Myers area. My family has a condo down there. So when we were down there last year, we went, we met up with you guys, you and Robin. Um, it was awesome. Yeah. And that was right. You know, that wasn't that long after the hurricane. So things were still messed up. But yeah, it's remarkable how things have cleaned up Captiva and Sanibel, you know, areas that are very familiar uh, to a lot of people in the Philadelphia area, people all over the country. I mean, they all come down here. The license plates yeah. change with the fall colors. And there's people from all over. The Red Sox are having camp here. The They're Minnesota nearby. Twins have a camp. And this is where everybody comes. If you're not in the West Coast at the Cactus League, the Grapefruit League is a big deal. Thirty-six bucks to get into a, a baseball game down here, where you don't even you couldn't recognize half of the players when you go out to watch them. <laughs> but it's like a rite of passage. I mean, people love doing it, you know. And I, um, yeah, Clearwater's not what is Clearwater like two hours from from yeah, Fort just Myers? a little under two hours. I mean, yeah. the freeways here, unless there's a plane trying to make an emergency landing on Alligator Alley and I seventy five. You saw that video from last weekend. We were in Vegas when that happened. Yeah. But I mean, that's the yeah. you know you have seventy five that runs across from the west coast of Florida to the east coast, and that's only like an hour and a half to get to Miami. You know, if you're doing the speed limit, if you're doing 90, you can get there in an hour and 15. And then obviously going up the coast, 
going up to Orlando and over to Clearwater and Tampa. I mean, this is where all the baseball action and, and the ballparks are all close. As you know, Kev, we, you know, you came down here. Everything yeah. is close by. And, uh, and there's a lot of bars and restaurants here. And this yeah. is the Cape Coral area uh, is hot. I mean, this is like this is like the Mecca here. It's nice. It's, it's, it's yeah. like uh, it's like fish town, except without all the hipsters. It's the fish t- the fish town of uh, of, of South Florida, Florida. Southwest Florida, the Floridian <laughs> fish town. We'll call it. You know, it's like the soccer guys give everybody a nickname. The Medford Messi, the Florida <laughs> fish town. They all have to be alliterative too. Are you go- are you going up to Clearwater? Are you going to hang out with Howard Esco? Ab- absolutely, Howard and I are club. No, Howard and I started in radio together in the same year in 1970. He was the board op at WFIL Radio when I was the nighttime news guy. So he used to run the board for all the legendary DJs at W. You have to be old to remember that. You know, King George Michael, who later went on and, you know, did the sports machine on national television. Remember, let's go to the videotape, and he would hit the he would hit the big videotape thing to show highlights uh, on Sunday nights. National show, Jim O'Brien, the late, great Philadelphia weather broadcaster who died in a, a, a parachute tragedy when he was air. He's like to jump out of planes, and he made his he met his demise in that. So... A lot of connections here, and and certainly you know Southwest Florida. Jay Wright has a place in Naples. The Sixers coach has a place down here in Southwest Florida. So everybody has a second home here. If you can't afford Villanova or or uh, Avalon, you know you come to Southwest Florida in the winter. You know because nobody's going noticed, to Avalon. Uh, Is anybody going to Avalon in the winter? Seriously, I don't know. But has have you noticed uh, Jay getting any pinstripe suits tailored just in time for March Madness or? No, I mean, I, 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 that's one of the biggest tragedies in college basketball, guys, is the fact that they've gone to track suits. I only used to see track suits at the, you know, the Final Four when every coach from every small Division Three school is proudly wearing their school's colors, trying to get an interview to move up to a bigger program. And I just, you know, Jay not having a suit on is almost like a sacrilege. I mean, if you're going to, we had Ash Wednesday, if you're going to give up something for Lent, you got to give up the track suits. Now, Jay's not coaching anymore, so he's wearing suits doing the broadcast. But Jay, without a suit, you know, is like uh, the guy who was streaking at the Super Bowl without his shirt on. You know what I mean? It's just wrong. Well, it's funny because, uh, Craig, maybe you can find this on uh, on uh, Google search or whatever. But Bob Huggins, uh, you know, I'm a West Virginia guy, so I've, yeah. I've familiar, unfortunately, with Bob Huggins' fashion over the year. And he, had, he, he wore like a... Uh, uh, like an all gold, uh, like mustard gold, like West Virginia suit. And it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. I think Bob Huggins was one of the first people to go to the uh, track suit for obvious reasons. This was before he was driving around Pittsburgh with a bunch of bottles in the back of his car, saying that he was looking for the recycling center, by the exactly. way. He, he didn't drink those beers. He was just trying to like, recycle them. Somewhere. <laughs> so, he didn't want to throw them over. There they out. are. Look at that. Look at those outfits. Wow. I mean, the wow. zip-up WV uh, ensemble. But, the, you know, the, 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 the gold suit with the gold shoes. We're never going to see that again, are we? No, no. It takes You have to be a special kind of person to be able to wear something Even like Michael that. Irvin wouldn't wear that suit. And Michael Irvin wears some of the craziest suits you'll ever Didn't I'm talking about the gold Kanye one. they over at the, uh, at the airport coming out of Vegas wearing that exact? No. No, Kanye was pulled everywhere. Oh, man. Kanye yeah. would be the next guy, though. Kanye will also have the matching ski mask. Hey, Tony. So, you, so you were out there doing Radio Row um, with uh, with your new network, Tony Bruno Sports Network. Um, Download the app. You can get it for free worldwide. That's the good thing. You know how it works in radio. You move from job to job, and I, where are you? Where can I find you? So now we made it easy. Just go on. Just put in Tony Bruno Sports Network, and you can get it twenty four seven anywhere on earth and live three sixty five. 
is the is the the power the engine and you can get radio stations from all over the world on live 365 but just download the app because we have a lot of people from philly calling in all the time and we're number two in kuwait by the way as far as sports radio i mean and obviously a lot of military people there so they want to know what's going on so i don't just do local sports but obviously you know the eagles have lost their entire coaching staff now i saw the offensive assistant offensive line coach is now going to Cleveland. So the Cleveland Browns will look more and more like the Philadelphia Eagles coaching mm-hmm. staff as each day passes, guys. Jim Schwartz. Tony, yeah, what's, guys going. what's it been like uh, launching the network? I know there have been a few growing pains with the uh, with the, the network itself, but like, what has it been like trying to get that off the ground? Well, you know, I've always worked for radio stations. And, you know, when you work for – and I, when I would go to Super Bowl Radio Rose with ESPN or Fox, you know, you'd show up. You fly in, you go to your room, you get up, you do your three or four hour show, and then you go out and hit the parties, get a couple of hours sleep and go back. But, you know, when I was approached about this, because I had no decision, you know, I didn't move down here to to go back and do local radio or do any radio. So I met a guy at a dinner and he had a digital network. He was a guy who'd been in radio for a long time. In fact, he worked in Philly for a couple of years named Big Mama. Jason, uh, what was Jason's last name, Rob? Jason Jones. So he's the DJ who worked. He moved to Southwest Florida like 10 years ago. And he was working at a local station, a Beasley station. And, you know, all these radio companies are in trouble. And so he said, I'm getting out. I'm starting my own digital network. And so he meets me in some restaurant and he recognizes me from Madden. You know, so you have people who know me from ESPN and and from Fox. But a lot of people know me from the Madden games. So that's who you know me from. And he heard my voice. And then he says, oh, man, what are you doing? I said, nothing. I bought a boat. I have a lot. I want to build a house. I came to Florida to, to retire. And the next time I come out of my house will be in a gurney. Not because I hate Philadelphia, because a lot of people move to Florida, especially old people. But it's not as old as people think it is. I mean, Cape Coral has a lot of old people. And you do see that 830 at night, the restaurants are all empty. But this time, when there's spring training, they stay open till 10. So if you want action here, you can find a place that was open to go to. Yeah, I mean, we were like, what doesn't close at 8.30 around here, you know? So that was a But the thing about the network, guys, is, you know, when you finally have your name on something, you know, you have to, we're working 18-hour days. Miss Robin, who's not only the producer, who's not only the person who keeps it all together, and, you know, we found some great people. Pete Shepard, who was up in Boston for all those years on WEEI, you know, he moved down here to do a local ESPN station, and then when he heard about the network, he immediately called over and said, hey, I want to be a part of this. So we're getting people who said, hey, you know what? I like this idea. You know, it's a network that you can hear anywhere. We don't talk about the same thing every hour. And so that's what's fun about it. You know, when big stories happened yesterday during the Kansas City parade, you know, we went live to the local people so we can, you know, because you, you go into, you know, we do sports, but we go into, a new, you know, journalism mode when there's a, an event like that happening while you're on the air. So my background in media, my background in news and being on the air during 9-11, you know, I, when there's a big story happening, you can't shy away from it and run away from it while you're on the air live. So that's what I pride myself on. You know, we have a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. I got to finally meet and interview uh, the Mr. Las Vegas. Mr. Las Vegas. You know who that is? It's not the Sinatras. It's not the guys in Ocean's 11, 12, 13, 14, or 50. Wayne Newton came and sat down on Radio Row. Oh, now, you know, you don't, that? that's not something you see every year. And I've been to 42 no. of these now. But the fact that Wayne Newton, and he's only 10 years older than me, but, you know, he's got a lot of money. So his face, his teeth, everything's perfect on Wayne. And he's still performing yeah. three nights a week at the, well, uh, I mean, you know, you know the, uh, the Wu-Tang Clan is doing a residency out there as well. I was interested yes. in reading that. But, let but me Carrot ask Top you- is still the king. Carrot Top has had a residency for 20 years. 
at the Luxor, and he's still yeah. going strong. The guys, you talk well, about battered he's performers, man, but he's he, yeah. apparently he's funny. You know, he yeah, he look, he looks like uh, certain things have taken a toll on him. I would just I would say it that way. And he but, admits uh, it, by the way. The good thing about Carrot Top, he will admit the fact that he doesn't wake up until two o'clock in the afternoon because he's always out partying and he does a show. And I haven't seen his show, but everybody that's seen Carrot Top at the Luxor says he's funny as hell. You know, and and Carrot Top people have said like it's the best show I'm they've seen. The carrot top is like me when I was working graveyard shift at Eyewitness News when I would, <laughs> I would go, in at, go in at 1 a.m. and get off at 9 a.m. But wait, so Tony, explain to me, like, when you guys are on Radio Row, there's like a, every radio station on the planet is there. Do, do you, are there just, is carrot top just walking down the hallway and like p- people grab him and they're like, yo, jump on my show. I mean, how much of it is like booking guests versus like people just sort of being in in town i mean how does it all kind of work no that's a great question because you know luckily i know a lot of these people i I had carrot top on last year in arizona the first time i met him i told him to change his name to omg orange man good because he's orange and you know about orange and so he remembered that so i gave him something you know just a super aside said orange man good omg right oh my god and so he liked it so when i saw him again he came in and listen he doesn't have a handler that I, i think did he have a handler with him because he has to, you know, he has to do all these interviews, and he does every interview. But the thing about this year versus the last few years, the Vegas Radio Row was enormous. And for the first time in memory, I don't remember that many people being there. There were radio stations, obviously. Last year, there were mostly podcast and digital media there. But we saw radio stations from San Francisco, radio stations from all over the country still broadcasting. But the biggest thing still, and it's the future of our industry, guys, is digital media, college radio stations. There was one station that called itself the only college radio station where it was all college kids on the air 24-7. Some of it was uh, microphone. Some of it was just guys on computers. So that's mm-hmm. the future of our business. And those are the people I, mean, I look out and say, hey, these are the people that are going to replace me and other people providing content. Well, it's just, what it, I mean, it's whoever, anybody can do it now. We had an intern, uh, Grace, who was out in uh, Phoenix, and her apartment actually was right across the street from uh, from Chase, Chase Field when the mm-hmm. Phillies and the Diamondbacks were playing in the NLCS, right? So we get her a ticket for the game. She walks across the street walks right up to John Middleton, who's just standing there like on the side of the field, like behind the dugout or whatever, and gets like a 60-second interview with him, you know? I mean, No, that, and I that, remember her. She was yeah. great, and I watched her on your site. The other yeah. thing is that, we, you know, we needed some help, so one of our guys found, uh, went to UNLV, called UNLV, and said, we need a couple of interns. And we had two interns from UNLV, two lovely young ladies who, who were absolutely incredible. And, and when I found out what they majored in, they're not majoring in journalism or, you know, political science. They're majoring in digital media, editing digital media. Yeah, yeah. These are the people that are smart and realizing these are the ways that we can move into the industry it's without the like, saying, thing. I want to be the anchor on Eyewitness News yeah. or I want to host a sportscast. Yeah. They want to get involved in the growing part of it. And that's what that's what really makes me happy, you know, as someone who's getting older. I want to see the people going in the right direction. Working at a radio station making $30,000 a year sounds fun in the beginning, but then all of a sudden when that job goes away and you're yeah. not you're stuck there making $30,000 a year and you're not making a million dollars a year, you know, it becomes frustrating and people get out of the business and that's the sad reality of our world now with all the radio companies in trouble and people just trying to get a job and put content out there that and the TikTok world and all these people that nobody knew you know, are now finding ways to monetize themselves and make themselves, you know, big names in the industry. And it's, it's well, there, all one industry the now. Problem, though. Like, What's Tony, that? so I said, therein lies the problem, right? Like, there's a, 
I think that there was a certain group, and you were you were part of that group, and the Missinellis and the Cataldis, and I guess to some extent the Garganos of the world, uh, Macnows, were part of a, a certain sect, and you know a bunch of them are still in terrestrial radio. Mike obviously is not. You have started your own network, but I, I always said, and Kevin and I talked about this for years, but it never felt like those stations were really preparing for the next wave. They never really did a good job of cultivating and kind of building that next wave of, of, let's call them radio stars or radio hosts, whatever, you know, verbs you want to use. But it never felt like they were laying the groundwork. It always felt like one guy would come off of one shift, he'd go to the other station, he'd go host over there for a little bit, then he'd come back, and, and it was just kind of this in, overly incestuous thing. And now you look at it, and I, I want to kind of flip this to Philly really quick and kind of pick your brain here on the radio side of things. But, you know, you were at 97.5 when I would say it was the heyday, when it was the golden age of that station, right? Like, and those were, in large part, those were my college years of listening to you and, and Mays, and what I would still say is probably for the 30-somethings, probably the best Philly sports talk radio show that we had ever had, that we had ever had access to. Well, thanks. Um, but when I, you know, in saying all this, they have gone a very different direction in the last, like, let's say, five, six years, where they're going with a lot of unproven people on the airwaves. Now, John Kincaid is an unproven but he came from a station in Atlanta that somebody in the radio industry once told me didn't track the ratings. And he's, you know, he's, he's done what he can, I guess. Um, but otherwise, midday, they've gone very unproven. The afternoon show is certainly an unproven commodity. When you look at it, is there any – I know that you actually finished you know, with WIP doing the show with Ennis. But like, is there a part of you that looks back on it and says, like, shit, like that – that should have been set up better. Like, they shouldn't be doing what they're doing now because, quite frankly, they're getting dog-walked in every ratings book. Like, is, is there a small part of you that just goes like, man, like, kind of Well, sucks. Harry and I, you know, the, the great thing, Russ, is Harry and I are great friends. We go on each other's podcast, and, you know, Harry has come down to Super Bowls with me over the years. We've done shows at boxing events. And the interesting thing about that, because back when Harry and I were on middays, you know, the, the management at the 97.5 didn't care about the digital component. And so we were putting out streams to our podcast, so to speak, because to me, a podcast, you know, is a pre-recorded show that you put out later. Podcasts are not, you know, like we're doing now. This is considered a podcast, you know, but it's a live show that you're, um, are we all, are we live now? Are we doing this live? We are, yeah. We're doing it live. Doing it live. So, but Harry and I were the, the number one streamed show or podcast show in all of Philadelphia. And that's because people found the digital component of it, even though the management didn't care about the digital part of it. They only cared about the over-the-air Arbitron or whatever the companies are that are doing it. They only cared about that part, and they never took into account the digital streaming that was going on. And, you know, Preston and Steve are the kings of Philly Radio, but we were getting more downloads and more people listening to us, not on the air during our shift in midday, but also on the podcast and that's when they finally woke up. And I know you write about it a lot, Kevin, that the radio stations who are now embracing the digital audience are the ones that are tracking great numbers. And the problem with local radio now, and listen, I don't have any problem with any of these people trying to move up the food chain. I mean, Johnny Marks was a board op. All these people who worked hard and moved their way up you know, into positions of having afternoon drive and morning drive. Joe DeCamera, a great guy that was disrespected at 97.5. They put him on the air as an emergency guy. And then he goes to WIP and replaces Angelo in the mornings and hasn't skipped a beat. So obviously WIP will always have that decided advantage because they have the Phillies and the Eagles. Those are the two, 
you know, marquee franchises. You know, 97.5 has the 76ers, I believe, and I don't know if they still have the Flyers, but, you know, that's they the problem. And, and the biggest the problem County, is not, yeah. the days of the million-dollar morning guys or million-dollar afternoon shows on local radio are long gone. Johnny Mark said it when he talked to you guys and when, you know, dealing with the reality of Odyssey and the problems that they have paying their debt. And when you work for some place and you want to sign another contract, you want to make sure you have some security. And that's what people in radio want to do now. But we're seeing that the radio, big-time radio talent days are over. There's, there's talent on the shows, but there's nobody who's going to make Angelo Cataldi money in the future. I saw Cuz at the Super Bowl. His show is about to come on in Philly now in March uh, because he had to sit out the one year. And so, you know, Cuz is, in, in, is endorsing and, and embracing the digital world, you know, and that, that all-city thing. There were three tables with Chicago and Denver, and then Baldy and, and Cuz would do a show every afternoon. So the older guys who embrace digital media – you know, they're not being left behind. Uh, I've always embraced digital media. Even when I was there, I was doing a separate podcast, you know, live on Twitch and then on No Filter Network. So, you know, I didn't want to keep doing this, but now I'm having fun because I have something with my name on it. And the success of the company, you know, if I fail at this, it'll be on my name. So you have the motivation now when you're building something on your own with great people around you and a person like Robin who works 24-7 that's what keeps me motivated. I could be out on my boat right now in the Caloosahatchee River. I could be out putting my crab pot in off my dock here in Cape Coral on the canal and getting gigantic blue claw crabs so I can make some of the best crab cakes and crabs and spaghetti on the earth. But no, I'm still doing radio every single day. Digital radio on the Tony Bruno Sports love Network. Did, yes, they, reopen the, the, love the did game. they reopen the beach down there, by the way, Tony? Because last no, time no, we they're still replenishing, and now it's not really a beach. That's on the river, but there was, you know, there's that restaurant that's down there here in Cape Coral for people to've been there. That's where I used to launch my boat, but after the hurricane, they shut it down. And just like projects on I-95 in Philly, it's taking years Terrible. to try to get a dock <laughs> reopened. Well, you know, but they're replenishing it. I mean, that's a lot more different than 95, which has been under construction since I was a teenager. You know, and I see Bob Kelly on Twitter talking about, oh, there's a line of car there's a line of cars just to try to get into Center City because one lane is under construction. And then my other because I, I love following Philly sports stories and Philly news stories because it's still my hometown, just like you know, San Francisco. I always follow what's going on in that town and subscribe to their media. But I'm not paying for the Philadelphia Inquirer with all due respect. I can get it on. You know, we have a lot of citizen journalists who are out reporting on what's really going on, and a lot of our media in Philly is afraid you know, to, to take tough stances. But anyway, the bike, the bike crowd in Philly, I noticed the bicycle mafia is the one that has the most power right now. Listen, I had a bicycle and I had a scooter in South Philly. They were both stolen. So everybody who says we should be taking public transportation, those are the kinds of things that I say, what? I get yeah, it. Your lobby's the strong. Bike lobby. The big bike lobby. The is big powerful. bicycle lobby. Big bicycle. But again, big I love bike. bicycles. I have a bicycle here, but I had a scooter and a bicycle cut off in front of my house and they tried to roll away my $3,000 lovely little scooter. Seven, how many horse, how many uh, CCs was it? I mean, it wasn't one of those little, it wasn't a moped. I mean, that some bitch could go fast. Can I say some bitch on the show? You can some say whatever you want. Okay, I just went a little out of country tune because we're going to New Orleans next year. You know, but the, but the Cajun chef is dead. So, you know, next year I'll be using my Cajun accent. Remember the Cajun chef? Oh, yeah. Very interesting accent. Yeah, I've never been to uh, New Orleans, but it's on the list of... Uh, places to yeah. visit you know it's, it's funny, one of though, the it's... dirtiest you know the thing about new orleans and you guys have been there and i've been there for super bowls 
The thing about New Orleans, everybody goes to Bourbon Street, and it's a slow build. I remember the Eagles Super Bowl back in 81 uh, when I was there. You know, people don't show up until Wednesday, and then Bourbon Street becomes crowded, and then it becomes out of control. But they have beads. They have, you know, it's it's one of those, uh, it's a city that every single night at 3 a.m., or whenever the last people stumble off, they bring out the hoses, hose it down, and then start right back up again at 8 a.m. And you can walk around with a drink in your hand. That's the good thing about And the food down there is great, too. Don't forget the beignets and don't forget the Café du Monde and that chicory coffee. We'll be drinking lots of that next year. Will the Eagles Zion be back, Williamson though? That's the big question. Zion all of that stuff. Exactly. Zion, Zion looks like he's probably added, like, in, you know, since drafted, like, what, 60, <laughs> 60 pounds worth of beignets. I've never, I've never been to New Orleans, but, you know. Funny, I, funny I think, that you yeah. mentioned that because uh, my daughter is home sick from school today and she was watching The Princess and the Frog on Disney, which, of course, is set <laughs> in New Orleans. And it's about a, uh, somebody who wants to save money to open a restaurant. So it's a very, you know, strange cultural uh, crossroads right there. But uh, now, you know, it's funny. I was just going to say, Tony, it's like, you, you know, here we're doing this show now with you who worked in for big radio stations, me who worked at Eyewitness News. Um, Russ comes up independently, like through his own thing, right? And yet, it's it's media these days. You go into a press box, you go to Radio Row, like you're saying, you got a blogger sitting next to a Philadelphia Inquirer writer of 20 years, you know. So you can, there's really no delineation anymore between you know, quote unquote, journalists and content. Exactly. Like, and I don't have a problem all, with we're that. All in the same, we're all in this same big pot, you know. And it's like I say to John Marks because I've been hopping on with John and talking some media stuff with him every every like other week or whatever. And like I always say, it's like to me, like platform is less important than it used to be. Like if your shit's good, it's good and people yeah. are going to find it, you know, and that's what's most important in all of this, because I think we've we've taken a lot of separate different factions of media and we've all mixed it into one big jumble of content. And exactly. if your stuff's good, it surfaces to the top. And if it's not, it doesn't. Yeah. No, and I re I'm old enough to remember that when I was a young punk reporter in the 70s, covering the Flyers and the Sixers during the heyday. Remember, the Sixers were the worst team in the NBA. The Phillies were just starting to add pieces. And so I was around, and I was the guy with the microphone working for local radio, you know, putting the mic in, and it was mostly uh, print reporters in there. So the radio guys were seen as these, oh, this guy with a microphone interrupted us. And here the transition was a lot of those great writers, the Missinelli's and the Angelo Cataldi's and the Glenn Macnow's in Philly, they went on to become, when sports radio exploded, the same guys, and I'm not saying those guys in particular, but the people who hated dig radio media, guys using tape recorders, you know, to get a sound bite so they can play it on their radio station, they were all part of that. They didn't like the, the broadcast media because the print media was dominant. Everybody read their columns. Everybody read their opinion pieces. And now you fast forward, all of those guys who were really good at spoken word, they've transitioned into the media, and I had no problem with that. If you're good enough to be on like Angelo or Glenn Macnow or Mike Missanelli because you're smart and you can, you know, you can put it out there and you can broadcast and show people how smart you are while doing this format, more power to you. So, and now with the bloggers, as you mentioned, and the people and all the digital podcasts, I have no problem with that. If you have content that people want, they're going to get it. If you have content that people don't want, you're going to go out of business. We know a lot of people that buy these pot, these roadcasters. I don't know. This is the new the thing called the road. And it's being mm -hmm. used now because, you know, the business changes. A road is basically an old a board 
that you used to have and we take to the radio stations. But it brought you can broadcast anything from your home with a roadcaster and a good internet connection. Well, here in Florida, a lot of people bought these things thinking they were going to start their own podcast. And some of them, a couple of months in, when they realized nobody was listening and they couldn't monetize it, started putting these things on Facebook Marketplace. And Robin, we bought a whole set because we had one originally. We bought another complete set with headsets, microphones, the entire package for $300. So that's what people do. They get in, they want to do something, and then they realize, I just can't go on the air and get people to listen to me. So that's the hardest part. But these are the people buying stuff. And then they're selling it right away. By the way, my favorite caller just calling in. Uh, Robin, can I have the phone? I want to. Sh- I only have one person that calls me every day. His name is Scam Likely. Do you guys uh, know the, that guy too? Scam Likely is calling now. As we are live Sounds here on the Crossing, yeah. the Crossing Broad podcast, talking to you about your uh, your uh, car's extended warranty. Ex- no, yeah, Mike started. I have a brand new it. truck, so I don't need an extended warranty. <laughs> I got a big Ram twenty five hundred, the most powerful vehicle out there with the biggest Hemi engine you can find. Yeah, I'm driving get, get a Nissan. A Gator. Get I'm driving a, a Nissan Frontier. Yeah, <laughs> used to have the little Ford Ranger like that. Everybody did. My Ford Ranger, Tony, was a Comcast truck. It had a when I bought it, it still had the. Uh, I guess like when you have a fleet vehicle for some big yeah. corporation, they only drive them to like twenty five thousand miles, and they sell them and buy a whole new fleet of vehicles or whatever. So when I bought my truck, it still had Comcast written on the side of it, and the dealer was like. All right, I'll remove all that stuff for you. So that was how we came. came it's like police cars. Nothing better than the old police cars where they had the mirror on the side and they would sell them. On, and, then, and then people would drive around and put that. They would keep that light on. Remember the light the cop yep. would have on the, yeah, right the, near his uh, side view mirror? And he would right. put that. You would go around putting a light on somebody and psyching out your friends. Now, if you tried that, you know, they'd get out and blow you away with, you know, with a couple of uh, handguns or something, whatever they have available. <laughs> so tell How can I encourage up- that, by the way? You're going. Uh, you say you're going up to Clearwater. Yeah. Um, what? What? What else? What's else is it? Before we let you go, what's on the radar for like the next uh, couple months? Well, I time? finally caught up on sleep because I'm the only person who had reverse uh, reverse uh, jet lag. Flew to Vegas three hours, obviously behind, so we had to get up much earlier. And I was able to go to sleep and then get up because we were like getting six hours sleep and get up, go right back to Radio Row and, and hit at it again. I came back Saturday night, ten o'clock. And I haven't been able to sleep more than three hours until last night when I took a couple of gummies given to me by Kyle Turley. Because now former players are selling gummies. Jake Plummer is selling mushrooms. And so all these athletes are finding things to do, you know, outside of their careers with things that are legal now. You know, gummies and mushrooms. That's the rage. I got to, I, you know, we should go to Kennett Square and open our own mushroom farm. Oh, you know, I know there's plenty of real ones up there. Yeah. But how yeah. come Kennett Square... Other than having prisoners that who escape jail go up there and hang out at Longwood Gardens, how come they don't grow hallucinogenic mushrooms up there in can this day and age? Right? Can I can I give everybody a factoid on this show? I'm 99% sure this is right. If I'm wrong, I'll I'll edit this out. But uh, Pat Shiraki, who I had the pleasure of working with, the great Pat Shiraki, yes. Her uh, family's uh, history is in the mushroom business. Not the kind that I took in college, right? But like right, the Kennedy right. Square kind mm-hmm. of kind of mushroom. So there's a little fact for everybody. Pat Shiraki. Well, I did not know that. And I knew Pat. She was she was terrific. Talk yep. about a bubbly personality, great on the air, one yep. of the legends in Philadelphia. She got to go out on top, Tony. Most people don't don't get to pick when they want to retire, but she's a very Catholic woman. She's a pious woman, as mm-hmm. we would say. Not not because she went to St. Pius in Montco, but Pius P I O U S. And when the Pope came to uh to visit Philadelphia 10 years ago she said that's my final 
project. I'm going to do that. And then I'm done. So that was like her Super Bowl. And, you know, there you go. In but fact, I had my mom, my mom, my mom was still alive and she wanted to see the Pope. Obviously, my mom, a Sicilian immigrant, very Catholic, would watch EWTN all day long and do the mm -hmm. rosary. You know, that was my mom's upbringing. But when she got this, we got to see the Pope. I, 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 brought, I drove down there because we were living at Dockside and I put her in a wheelchair at like Fourth and Spring Garden and wheeled her all the way up and Pat Chiraki stopped and took a picture with us because she saw my mom there and I knew Pat. So that, and, and we, we went all the way up there, but at least there, the security had to go through metal detectors and they did it right in Philadelphia. Now, unlike all the stuff going on around the country, we're going to have to harden places now when people gather. And that's the sad reality of today. Well, yeah, the Casey thing was uh, unfortunate. I know the Denver, there was something in Denver after the Nuggets parade or whatever. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what comes of all that stuff. But uh, Tone, uh, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Again, um, Tony Tony Bruno Sports Network, um, for people who want to listen. Um, you'll be at Clearwater. We'll look for you. Yeah, I mean, whatever you uh, – well, we'll see. I'll be at the Red Sox. I'll be at JetBlue Park. I'll be at the Twins facility. No, it's Florida. You know, people just come here in the wintertime because yeah. they don't want to be – and I'm not one of these old guys who yells off his porch because I don't have a porch. But I, you know, do I want to shovel snow? No. But am I? If I go back to Philly, which I did for the holidays, you know, I got sick because when you go up and you're around. But I went to Vegas and everybody got sick except me. So now, luckily, I got my first uh, sickness in January. You got and then I went to way. Vegas where there were ten times more people and everybody else got sick but me. So I'm not a doctor, but I play one occasionally with Miss Robin when we're both not feeling well. <laughs> Beautiful. Well. Well, we will uh, we will see you soon, man. We'll be down there, I guess, um, in April again. So um, we'll have Beautiful, to uh, we'll look for a restaurant that's open after uh, seven thirty. No, they're all open as long as you don't come after all the baseball players are all gone. They'll be open and they'll be cranking. We'll be cranking till nine, maybe ten o'clock at night if you're lucky. Yeah, Rage and taking it to the wee hours of the morning. We're going deep, <laughs> deeper and in, deeper into the night in Cape Coral. Uh, all right, Tom. Thanks, man. thanks, guys. All right. I, I, I'm, I'm honored that you have me on your show. I really appreciate it. Anytime, I know there's a lot man. of yeah, haters, yeah. a lot yeah. of haters out there, but you guys do it right, man. You're the only, you're the only streaming thing. You're the only podcast. You're the only Philadelphia entity that I follow on my social media at Tony Bruno Nation. By the way, if you're scoring at home, yeah. Well, thank you, man. We'll get you back on. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. All right. See you, man. Take care. The great Ooh. Tony Bruno. Great guy. Tony Bruno, the guy, one great, one of the greatest, one of the greatest. Yeah, Tony was doing. Um, yeah, Tony mentioned that he came up to um, to Philly. He was fill, filling in for um, for Nick Kale at uh, twelve ten yeah. PhD. I think he did a week. And uh, I listened to that when he was uh, when he was on the air. It took me down memory lane. I had all the good nostalgia feels. Well, Tony, yeah, Tony when it when it was happening, like it was it was obviously a different show, right? But it was a lot of fun, yeah. and it you know it hit I. Kevin, like the funny thing is, like when you think back about the way that radio has changed, like we kind of talked to him about this a little bit. Like, I still don't understand. Like, I, I will continue to come back to this. I still don't understand what Beasley is trying to do or not trying to. Like, I, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, you know, he's remote. If you're Beasley, like, don't you at least have an exploratory conversation, or at least try to have an exploratory conversation to see if you can get some of the old band back together to get him and Harry back. That's a coup. Yeah. Um, yeah. But now, look, he's he's doing his own thing now, and you know, I'm sure people who, you know, miss hearing Bruno are, are going to download the app. But I mean, like, it's one of those things where, like, you look at it and you say, like, there's no path to Missinelli going back to Beasley, right? Gargano's off doing PHLY in a month or two. 
It would take, yeah. I mean, it would take changes in management. It would take changes at the top. I think you've, you're yeah. away from something long enough for like, you know, if um, you have the management who, right, who presided over, who were in charge when Mike left, I mean, if they were out of the way, maybe he would think differently about coming back for sure. Odyssey is a total question mark. You Odyssey know, like got, got what? Heavily invested in by Soros. So I'm sure that's going to go over really well with uh, half of their listenership. I'm well, sure that's WIP, yeah, a... WIP, we may have to replace uh, Jack Fritz with uh, Joy Anthony Bayer, Fauci. Or... No, right, right, yeah. Well, it's fine too, because I, mean, I know like the... <laughs> like the election like around the corner and all that stuff but uh yeah it's it's interesting man i don't i don't know um it's just funny to think it's like i said on the show like a couple weeks ago that when like fanatic is getting crushed in the ratings yet beasley as a whole in the philadelphia market is doing better than um than wip's owner right because beasley yeah. has the strength of Preston and Steve and 1029 WMGK and WXTU does very well. Apparently, we'll have to do a podcast on this sometime. But why is country music so popular in the Philadelphia region? Like, that's a big surprise to me. You go to the, uh, why, the tweeters, you? Tweeter Center, whatever the fuck it's called now, mm -hmm. the Camden Music Venue. You know, they, they have uh, you know, these huge country events. There. I think, by the way, the Camden uh, Music Venue, I think you call it whatever it was when you first went there so if you went Susquehanna, there in the 90s, Susquehanna Bank Center okay, right so for me it's the Tweeter Center if you went there in the okay. heyday it's the E Center uh C E N T R E like you're British or Australian Centre le Centre Centre but uh yeah that's interesting listen um we got another guest coming on let's bring him on Trevor Harris from the Upper Bowl podcast uh we're keeping it going. keeping it in Florida down <laughs> we're there we're keeping right? it in Florida look at we this are. guy he's wearing a Flyers hat you know, Tony oh, yeah. asked before, does the Fanatics still have the rights to uh, the Flyers? And I said, I don't know. I don't even know. If they they do. do. They the funny do. thing about the Fanatic having the rights to the Flyers game, by the way, if you remember, mm -hmm. Kevin, back when there was initial beef, this is back when Tyrone, I think, tried to block me or unfollowed me. Mm -hmm. um, he went to bat for Nat Egg because I said, it's interesting that it was when the Flyers were on a playoff run. And I oh. said, it's interesting that the team or the, the station that owns the rights to the Flyers games have not talked about the Flyers for the first hour and a half of their show. I remember that. And then Nat Egg went and changed her profile picture to be her as a kid with a Flyers hat on. <laughs> Tyrone went on the air and kind of did oh. his gruff thing, you know. Yeah. It was great. I have to pause. I have to pause because we've, we've had several um, different conflicts with uh, various groups of people on the afternoon show, all amicable in, in, mm. in for me. But I need to like go back through my mind and think, oh yeah, which disagreement was that again? Oh, that one, you know. But, but they don't, they don't. Anyway, I'm sure they're doing a great job. I don't listen, but I'm sure they're doing a great job. They've tuned as what Matt Nahagian would say, they tuned me out, tuned me back in, as a program director would say. Mm -hmm. Matt Nahagian, who was tweeting about the uh Super Bowl losing 49ers today. They're mm -hmm. not really doing they're not taking it well out there. No, know? it's been, I've been listening since Monday. It's been pure comedy. I, I like to, I really want them, I want WIP to make a wine niners nine on the road to misery song so we could fire back at them well honestly. they they said so steve wilkes got fired they were saying that they didn't know the overtime rules mm -hmm. uh, uh you know you hate to see it man right I, you know it's just terrible. It's such a shame to see such a brilliant coach an infallible coach like kyle shanahan but don't worry it wasn't it wasn't that he didn't know kevin it's that he wanted possession third because everybody knows that when you're playing in the super bowl you play for the 49ers and the Los Angeles Dodgers and Houston Rockets. All this are they the same run franchise? 610, 632. Yeah, I you know, it's funny too, because I didn't even realize until um, you know, I was gleefully listening to uh Bonte Hill and Joe Shasky uh after the <laughs> after the loss, and he said 
you know, 1994 was the last uh, title. I, you know, and I'm thinking like, yeah, the Niners are in the Super Bowl every so often, but shit, they haven't won any of them. You know, so yeah. can we, can we, can we like rib them the same way that we rib the Cowboys? Like, well, you know, <clears throat> Woodstock 1994 was more recent than the last <laughs> Niners. Uh, you know, Melissa Etheridge performed with DMX uh, and Cheryl Crow at Woodstock the last time the Niners won the. Uh, one at all you know but I, I don't it's just like they're having this they're going through the same thing we went through last year yeah jonathan gannon you know get rid of him fire this guy cut cut this guy so i guess it's reassuring in a way to know that everybody uh that they overreact the same way that that we do only we don't stab people at burger fast food burgers in and out yeah or fight with raider fans and viking fans in the parking lot or throw bottles yeah. at people so yeah, well, let's just puke on the stands. We have two flyers, guys, on here. You're wearing a flyers hat, and Russ uh runs the Snow the Goalie podcast with yes. Anthony, Anthony San Francisco and uh Chris Terrian Bundy. So, Coots got the C last night. Um, I, I don't know, is this a big deal? I, I think it, it sounds like a big deal to me because they haven't had one for a mm -hmm. while, but I don't know, two Russ, years. you tell me. That's a big deal. I mean, it is, mm -hmm. except. It is the precursor to silly season because it's not just limited to F1. The NHL trade deadline is going to have plenty of activity and the Flyers will be heavily involved in it. Mm -hmm. um, listen, tr uh, Sean Couturier was always going to be the next captain. Always. Always and forever. It doesn't matter what Torts says. That was always going to be the move. But I think what he wanted to see, Torts, what he wanted to see, other than Anthony uh, with an apple in his mouth and over a, uh, a fire as part of a luau, <laughs> is uh, I think he wanted to see that Couturier could stay healthy and could be part of um, the lineup and still be an impactful two-way center. And once they've, they got this far into the season, it was clear that Couturier is going to play like he's going to play. Bundy talks about this a lot on the Press Row Show, the number one rated pregame intermission and postgame show the side of the Mississippi and South the Arctic Circle, mm -hmm. that... Um, you know, Couturier with the back issue, a lot of times in the first intermission or the first period, he looks like he's got a piano on his back. But as he loosens up throughout the game, you start to see Couturier of old. So I think that was a big part of it. Konechny getting the A is a representation of his maturity and the fact that they think he's taken the next step. We've said for a while that they are not going to trade Travis Konechny unless they are absolutely blown away with a massive package. Uh, that's what she said. Yes. And um, I don't think... That you'll see connecting move, but I do think, and Craig, I love when Craig is on top of it, bringing up my tweets. Um, I think that Scott Lawton's gone. Now, they put out the promotional material yesterday that showed the three of them as the leadership group. But Scott Lawton, barring injury, is as good as gone. There have been multiple teams checking in on him throughout the entire season. Um, and as Anthony wrote over on CrossingBroad.com, I don't know why he'd read any other site, he said that, one of the Flyers' divisional rivals is interested in Scott Lawton. And they're not the only ones. Um, is Colorado a, on that if list? If a, if a team were to pop up and offer a first-round pick, which given the lack of centers on the free agent market and given the lack of centers that are going to be on the trade market, it is conceivable, despite his downplay, you could very well see Scott Lawton moved for a first-round pick. And as a team that has said all year that they are rebuilding, to not take a first-round pick for Scott Lawton would be organizational malpractice. So that's where they're at. I think that all of this kind of goes together. They wanted to get Couturier the C, and this is now going to allow them to not have a void in leadership. And you've put an A on Konechny's sweater as well. 
And now it will soften the blow, I guess, when Lawton is dealt. Would you give the other A to Atkinson, or is he gone at, during this deadline or during the summertime, would you say, Ross? I don't think you can give it to Atkinson. I think okay. that you're more likely going to see them. It's weird that all three are forwards, right? Because yeah. that's not normal. I would not be surprised if they, down the line, were to put an A on Sanheim. Um, I, that's where I think they would, I they would look at going. Sanheim will be the next choice, honestly. I could honestly say this. There's a many teams that need a third-line centerman or a second-line centerman. Scott Lawton would be perfect for that Colorado Avalanche team. That team needs help badly. Colorado does. Well, it's interesting because the last time the Flyers had a center and Colorado was yeah. interested, he bitched a fit and he went to the Panthers. So... I know. I don't think that'll uh, we don't need time. to. Yeah, we don't need to rehash all this again. Russ is still waiting for Claude Giroux to put his full page. That curated, the curated thank you that he promised to the to the fans. That loser where he was the captain player. for what ten years, eleven Austin, years. He's a loser franchise player. I went to. Uh, by the way, I, I I will tell everybody who's listening now and who's watching is that we will always try to talk about all of the teams on here. We are four mm-hmm. for four, five for five. We'll get a wings player on here whenever. We're not going to uh, discriminate against uh, any of the teams in Philadelphia. I, I admittedly am a Zamboner, so I only kind of mm. pay attention. You know, I listen to Snow the Goalie and whatever. But uh, we will always have hockey talk. We'll always have baseball talk, all that on here. Um, and I'm going to throw it to you, Russ. Where do you want to go from here? Do you want to go Phillies? Do you want to go Eagles? Or do you want to go Sixers? I, I'd say we. I say uh, the natural segue is Sixers, but I'll let you steer the show. Well, you, we, you presented two talk? teams that have front offices that lie or one that puts out something that's kind of true. So let's go to the kind of true, the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's go your there. Your town. That was, that, was pre- that was actually a fun game last night. I was producing that on radio for the Heat. Um, Tyreek's Maxi, very entertaining. Because I saw him on Christmas. I didn't know what to expect out of him. Very entertaining point guard. I think he's the future for you guys. I'm not just saying this to just say this. I had fun watching and cutting highlights for that guy for Tommy Tug. Anyways, I'll say that for sure. He's not so. going to be a 40 point guy though. You know when Embiid's out, right? And it's like I don't think anybody expects him to or needs him to because the Sixers' hopes are always going to hinge now and forever on whether Embiid's healthy or not. Um, you know, and they they had a chance in that game last night, but it was like just you know. They're trapping and rotating a lot at the end mm-hmm. there. Miami, what Trevor had like four offensive rebounds, three offensive rebounds or something at the very end of that game. And the f- back end of your guys' defense where Paul Reed was at was like wide open. Everyone was like to take it to the hole and stuff. When you're under when you're you know, you're undersized, you're trying to, you know, just just prevent um the looks that, that they were trying to prevent. Like it happens. You know, Nick Nurse didn't seem too broken up about it. I think they were all just happy to get to the to get to the all-star break <laughs> after everyone's happy. Case room, maybe. <laughs> They stopped the bleeding. You know, I mean, that, that win in Cleveland was big. I mean, you go into the break. They're fifth place in the East. They're a couple games behind the Knicks. I don't know about you, Russ. I want absolutely nothing to do with Knicks in the first round and then Celtics in the second round. But, I, you know, the alternative would be I, I, I would want, you know, if you can get like a 3-6 with the Pacers or something and then end up with Doc Rivers. We got to see Doc Rivers. Uh, <laughs> I need to see that, too. Like, it has to be. I mean, like, we can't be denied that, right? It's like the Yogi. We went from like, having, listen, we went from having two coaches in the city of Philadelphia that had been riding the coattails of winning a championship two decades ago down to one. So yeah. not not bad. Doc is now in Milwaukee, and there's no I mean, one, I think, who, there's nobody who, uh, yeah, Glenn, there's nobody who fears the Bucks. With yeah. Doc Rivers in control, I don't know. It's, the Bucks it's, are soft. I'll say it. The Bucks are soft. They are. They are. The Knicks. And the Knicks would be tough, but you know what? Like the Knicks are also unproven in the postseason. Like they do have some killer mentality to them, without a doubt. But I'm not way, so sure. Like if if you get back Joel Embiid without 
I don't know. Like, let's say Joel Embiid at 70%. I think you win in six games, even if you don't have home court. Against the Knicks, I'll give you five. I'll say it. I, I, I'll say this. I think you guys will win the first round. Second round, it depends who you match up. If you, the, if you have the Heat or the Bucks, I think it'll be really entertaining. Plus, I want to see the Bucks lose to the Sixers in the second round. It'll be pure Doc Rivers eternity. And I, I honestly say this. The Heat will either win one round or they're going to lose in flaming fashion, which I would kind of want anyways for pure entertainment for radio down here. I just want to point out, too, for uh, moving forward, now that Kyle Lowry is a Sixer, that when Lowry – uh, flops and embellishes for other teams. It's disgusting and it's uncalled mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're love it here. Now. Here it's uh, here. We're going to call it veteran savvy and making the smart play. So that's we're not going to call it. Just don't call it. heat. I, I, as someone who hates the whole heat culture monologue, how it's like, he's, he's doing it for the team. He's doing it for the team. He's doing it his own way. Anyways, so you tell me, it. you tell me, man, is heat culture a real thing or not? Oh, they love it down here. I think it's the biggest piece of garbage anyways I've seen from 1994. It's all the quotes from Pat Riley all over again from 1994 when he was a Knicks head coach. I said it, and I have people wanting to hit, kick my ass anyways. Well, what is heat? I don't under, even understand what heat culture is. Like you're a you're an average guy, but you play hard and you, you buy play it. hard. You're in shape the whole time. You have like a certain kind of body fat you're supposed to keep to, which is like everyone like is like a keto. Like a lot of people don't want to sign here because it's like you have to have like a seven percent body fat or like to the whole thing and stuff. You have to be like always conditioned. Like during the bubble thing, one before like you have, the to, be, you have to treat it like you're a professional athlete collecting millions of dollars. Yeah, pretty much the audacity. Yeah. The sheer so anyway, that's our five minutes on the Sixers. We'll get it back to them when we don't uh, even talk about. Hold on, whoa, whoa. Pot, pot. Need, I know this there's is, no more time that needs to yeah, be spent. There, on the there is. Buddy Heald is doing exactly what he He's needs so to do. Yeah. Buddy Heald, I talked about this on Monday, but what the Sixers needed was a volume three point shooter who could hit for forty percent or more from downtown, and he's been sensational in five game or four games here. Right, he's converted on. I don't know. He's over 50%. 52. Let me look. 52.3% of his attempts uh, in the field, from the field, and 45% from downtown. He's averaging 10 three point attempts a game. Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, he's I think been he's fantastic. Been great, but, he, but it doesn't, it does, uh, to me, it's incomplete. So I, you know, until you see what he looks like with Embiid and the spacing around Embiid and how they're going to work, it really does. I mean, Embiid is. It's pretty played, simple yeah. what he's going to look like, right? Like, Embiid is going to have the typical Embiid gravity, assuming that he's posting up. He's going to collapse the defense, and Buddy Heald's going to get even more wide-open looks than he's getting right now. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the key is just going to be if he's going to if he's going to shoot volume, as long as he's hitting around 40%, like it's going to be a great move. It's going to be arguably one of the best moves they've made at a trade deadline There's been some in good, the last five or six years. There's been yeah. some good stuff to kind of evaluate and kind of look for the, the Embiidless stretch here, you know, Buddy Heald has been good. Uh, campaign has been good. He's been incredible obviously, for you guys so far. Obviously, they upgraded the backup ball handler position. They gave them some some more veteran savvy and whatnot. Ricky Council looks like he's going to be worthy of minutes at the expense of who I don't know. But there's been some some positives. But I was down there last night. It was like Valentine's Day, and everybody was injured. Butler wasn't there, and Bede wasn't there. But uh, Butler's started. on a uh, personal leave right now. That's why. If someone who's family member died, that's right. That's correct. Out. Right. But I'm saying there wasn't a lot, you know, so the crowd was just kind of whatever. And yeah, uh, they were just happy to get to the all-star break. So, but, but again, Russ, it's like the same thing. We come back down to come back to with the Sixers every year. It's like, 
wake me up when they get to the playoffs again. And we, it's, we find different ways to get there, but we always get to the same point where we're they gonna, wake me up till the second round and see what happens. Like the well, we might have to wake up for the first round this year, depending on Embiid's, you know, depending on what it is with Embiid, you know, because they're now they've they've you know sleepwalked through the first round a couple times in the yeah. years. But if they get if they get like a five four against the Knicks or something like that, well, if if Daryl Morey had successfully gotten LeBron James or Kevin Durant or Devin Booker, <laughs> like it came out yesterday, well, that, that trade would be like ridiculous. But then then anyway. maybe all of a sudden they would have uh, you know been an Eastern Conference final lock. That's the biggest. By the way, that's some of the biggest bullshit mm-hmm. that's been put out in, I, I don't know, in Daryl Morey's tenure here with the Sixers, right? Like, I like calling executives on their bullshit, right? Because, Absolutely. like, Howie, we know my oh, issues with Howie, right? Same, too. We both have issues with him. He's, he's, he's a Dombrowski coming out saying that he was happy with the team, even though they made a massive offer for Yamamoto. They haven't plugged. They, ha- they, they are one starter short. They're a top level starter away from being a legitimate world series contender but it's fine you can tell us that you're happy with the team yeah still plenty of bullpen questions but daryl Morey made a good move with buddy healed he made a kind of shitty if you believe pat bev on his own podcast move where he told pat bev he wasn't going to move him and then moved him mm-hmm. um this idea that like he inquired about lebron and he inquired about kevin durant is nonsense like sure i'm, I'm sure he did Right. But it's all just going through the motions. It's also that you can say that you did, but it's ridiculous. Maybe LeBron less so because he put up the hourglass. Right. And like the thought is that he might go to the Knicks in the offseason. Like they're, the they're playing that game. But come on. Like, does he really think that's going to buy him? Like, was he trying to hedge that he didn't think people were happy enough with Buddy Heald that they were going to call him out that he didn't go out and get another star player? That he didn't go out and get a Zach Levine or he didn't fortify the mid-range game by getting DeMar DeRozan. Like, is that what this was? This was damage control because he was one of the guards from the Bulls. BW is on a heater here in the comments section. First he said Cock Rivers, and then he's (laughs) calling Kyle Lowry the flop god. Mm, Uh, The t-shirt on it. Heat culture, a.k.a. Pat Riley. Pretty much. Heat culture is just Pat Riley being your boss. So, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't look here. Here's the last point I would make on the Sixers. Everybody like does their Daryl Morey thing, right? He's overrated. He hasn't won anything. What has he ever won? Okay, there's a lot of GMs haven't won shit in this. Yeah, game, right. Russ, when the Sixers had a two game, had a three to two lead against the Celtics last year, with the chance to close it out at home before bombing in Game Seven, did they fail to advance from the second round because of a lack of talent? They were, they, lack of preparation. They, were coach. To, they were up three to two at home. I mean, James Harden won two two games in that series single handedly. Do you mm-hmm. do, do you think that the that the Celtics won that series because they had overwhelmingly more talent on the floor, or do you think coaching and the performance of those specific players was more to blame? I think the Celtics were a better team and they had a better coach. Did they? And have that's, more and that's talent. saying a lot did because the GM, did the GM of the Celtics do that much of a better job than the GM of the Sixers? That there was some overwhelming discrepancy there. I don't think I don't they. Lost I mean, I, I think they. I, I think, think they had a better team. team. Like you're, you're going to keep reframing it until I say, oh, it had nothing to do with the I'm GM. Saying, it had what to do with the coach. That Daryl Morey is not and has never been the biggest problem for this team. Doc Rivers was problem number one. Joel Embiid not showing up in the playoffs 
either not being healthy or not performing when he needs to. That's number two. I mean, Maury's level to me is always going to be below those those two things. I'm not absolving him of any blame or I'm not saying he can't do a better job, but he's kind of like Howie Roseman has worked himself, has done some nice things, messed some things up, worked himself out of those, got us off the Horford bullshit contract in the beginning and put a number one seed on the floor in his first year. Mm-hmm. Got out of Ben Simmons into James Harden, turned, J- turned James Harden into a bunch of guys on expiring contracts who were right, overperforming, so by I'll, the way, I'll this year before I'll, clearing the cap sheet next year. I'll immediately hit with counterpoint, though, right? Because there, there are two things at play. The rumor, and again, we're going off of rumors, right? Yeah. When, when Daryl Morey, who was infatuated with James Harden, decided to make that move, what was the other move that was on the table, allegedly, reportedly? You're talking it about was a move with Sacramento thing? for Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. Now, if you have another high-quality GM or president of basketball ops in here and that deal is on the table, virtually every basketball executive is going to take the, the Tyrese Halliburton move. Agreed. And they're not even going to think twice about it. But because Daryl Morey was infatuated and, and insanely loyal to James Harden, that's the move they made. I will also point out that if he really wanted James Harden that bad, he could have waited for James Harden to hit free agency. He traded with a lot of assets, a lot of valuable assets, to bring in a guy that he could have just as easily signed in the offseason. So that was my issue with that move from Jump Street. Um, and, and did it work? Like, did James Harden go out and win you two games by himself? He did. But was James Harden the same flawed player that he looked like he was with Brooklyn? He, he was, and, and that's okay. And but, Houston too, you know. Yeah, but I mean, look, I mean, uh, with all of these things comes revisionist history. Not revisionist history necessarily, but like the 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 unknown of did anybody know that Tyrese Halliburton was going to be this good? We I knew he was going to be good. No, but like seriously, raise your hand if you if you've thought that he was going to be this good. Uh, we all Maybe knew not this good, but he was another good young piece that yeah, fit the timeline. Sure. But it's but I don't I just don't want to get into like you know inevitably in Philadelphia sports we always talk ourselves back into like a. Brandon Graham and uh, Earl, Thomas Earl Thomas thing where it's like, okay, you're picking between two great players who both ended up. With, with, the funny thing about that argument is they both won a Super Bowl. Yeah. And they were both really good on their respective teams. So, so I don't know. Um, or the, I got the, 15 the, minutes um, before if, I got to leave, by the way. If you guys want to keep talking, you can keep talking, but I got to leave yeah. at 15. So um, let's uh, shift it over to the Phillies real quick. They're back. Pitchers and catchers report. Russ, they need another pitcher. Um, Zach Wheeler is talking with the uh, or his agent i guess is talking with the phillies about getting a a deal done i don't think anybody should have any reservations about a new deal getting done i don't think zach wheeler is a flight risk he talks about how much he likes it here he took less money Mm -hmm. to come here in the first place um so if the three of us are in agreement on that then what what does a zach wheeler contract look like keeping in mind that he's turning 34 and it's just not an Aaron Nola, you know, he's not going to get seven years like Aaron Nola did. Aaron Nola being four years younger than him. He's also a better pitcher than Aaron Nola is. So taking all those things into consideration, Russ, what is fair and reasonable for Zach Wheeler? Three years, 120. Four so years. an AAV of 40. Yeah, I'd even go up to three years, 135. Three, right? I'd go up to 45 a year to keep the term manageable. But the big thing is, it doesn't fucking matter because it ain't my money. It's not your money. I know. And all the people who get themselves worked up about baseball contracts, it ain't your money either. Are they going to raise your ticket prices? Maybe. 
If it's yeah. a perennial contender, are you going to suck it up and buy those tickets? Yes. Yeah, you are. Yeah, but so, listen, just because there's no salary cap in baseball doesn't mean that John Middleton or any other owner might not be working off some threshold that they've created for themselves where that money does matter. Um, but I don't think, look, if, if you go, even if you say like that AAV is like 30 to 40 or 35 to 40, you could go like max probably like four years, 150, 160 for Zach Wheeler. It takes him to 38, right? I, I was I agree with a four year deal for Wheeler do one forty five with him like you'd be perfect do right because I'm just because again in baseball is not my strongest sport I defer to to Luke Arcani and Anthony Sanfilippo and other guys who are in our chat and they, and they seem to you, you know they're more in a category here of you know your Justin Verlanders and your Max Scherzers where it's like okay these are aging guys who are going to get much higher annual value but no they're forty years older they were pushing forty not long ago and so they're not going to get that's the same contract length, obviously, you know, but Wheeler seems like a guy who's amenable to making it work, you know, and that's what's, what's good. I mean, for the most part, it seems like people like playing here and they want to play here or whatever. I mean, when's the last time that we had a thing with the, the Phillies? I mean, after, after Bryce signed, man, I mean, that changed everything. Yeah. You had everyone want to come here. Like Nick Castellanos want to come here. Trey Turner wanted to come here because they were boys and stuff and mm-hmm. Schwarbs. Schwarber too. Well, I mean, but you know, like Ford, Ford actually raises a good point on YouTube. Philly's got no situational hitters, so they didn't address the biggest reason they lost. And there's like, there's definite truth to it. The one thing that I guess you can kind of come back to and feel good about is Bryce Harper won't be coming off of significant surgery, right? He'll have an entire offseason healthy, to our knowledge. He'll go into spring training healthy. And you'll hope that having him for the entirety of the season is going to be the thing that makes a, a big difference. The real X factor is Castellanos, right? Because if I look at Castellanos the same way in a sense that I looked at Pat Burrell, right? They're both incredibly streaky hitters. They play the same position. They, they're both right-handed. I look at it and I go, all right, if you can just get Castellanos to go back to being the player he was for a long time in Cincinnati where he's a 300 hitter, I don't even care about the home runs. Make contact, make strong contact, hit the gaps, right? I will take that. What's wrong? See, here's the problem. BW, BW has been commenting on things. See, BW is like three minutes behind the stream because he was just commenting about Jerry Colangelo. So I need BW when he hears this three minutes from now. He wrote wrong to jump to seven lie. times in a row. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, BW, if you're going to tell me I'm wrong, at least spell your correctly, all right? Sports. Rust. And, and real you have, you have the ocean go. as your profile picture on YouTube. Chances are you're yeah. significantly my uh, my elder by and all means. And you refer grammar to me doesn't now, go away like, just because you know the the. Never mind. <laughs> You'll refer to me as. <laughs> Listen, don't, don't, your your okay. eyes your eyes shouldn't also go the same way that your hoo hoo does. All right, man. Like <laughs> let let them work. Let them work. Believe. That's why you're going to use promo code broad to no. Uh, Sign up now. But uh, listen, I, I think that the – oh, wait, hold on. That's a great a great moment for Keith Pompey's all-time great ad read. Oh, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, what we are uh, on Bluetooth, where we got nah, – All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Let me rest your Keith Pompey. Look, he's still it's yelling nice. about – about James Harden in the comments because he's three or four minutes behind. Now BW is going to have to come on the Russ Reacts Monday show because this is exactly. I don't know why you keep calling it the Russ Reacts show. That's not. I, like that's media rock. I don't I know like what this. Uh, I don't know what the Monday show is going to be. I said maybe we'll call it Manic Monday. Maybe that's we'll call easy. it. 
Re-entry you know. Russ. Re-entry yeah. Russ. Make a T-shirt. Russ was right. I saw somebody throw out the name Russ was right. Very, very commonly correct. Yes. But Trevor, like, do you do you agree that Castellanos is really the X factor for them? That they can go as Castellanos goes? He's the biggest streaky hitter of all time. He played over the Cubs. He's streaker the whole time. That's how he might get that free agent deal for Cincinnati, and he opted out after that. I don't think he's the guy. If I were him, I would try to trade him. But the problem is who wants that contract, though? Because no one wants to pay that money. And everyone in MLB doesn't want to pay big contracts anymore. Go look at go look at every free agent right now under um, Boris right now. They're all in the free agent market still. No. Yeah. I don't no, think I mean, he's still honestly. doing his shit. I, the, the Phillies hot stove was ice cold. And Scott Boris is is like clicking the fucking pilot light, trying to get it to come back on. You know, he'll, he'll he's, he's annoying. That's that's the he's one the thing, worst thing that's ever happened. Like, I'm a Cubs fan. He's like the worst thing that's happened. He's like, everyone wants Bellinger deal to go happen, but he's like, people want him to pay this amount of money. And the Cubs office is like, we don't want to pay that because they're just, they live paycheck to paycheck anyway. So, like Rickett family, that's what the Ricketts do, anyways. Let's so get Kevin's of, fair and fair and balanced analysis on whether or not Trevor Bauer would be a good addition to the Phillies rotation. It, it's I like it. I honestly do because I you got to give the guy a second chance. Philly did it with Michael Vick. Why not do it with Trevor Bauer? Well, people talked about Michael Vick. People brought him up frequently when we were all arguing about Odubel Herrera a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. You remember mm-hmm. all that shit, Russ? Where yeah. it was like, what's what's yep. the difference here? And like, I, I don't. Uh, you know, Tyrone and me and Natalie were all yelling at each other about the Odubel thing. <laughs> and then, Mike, here's another conflict, right? So, but it's uh, you gotta stop getting in conflicts with the radio people, Kev. It's just not very nice. We actually like don't really much aim at the crossing broad of 2024 is nothing like you know the the height of radio wars where Kyle and Scott was just like button heads with everybody. You know, we've we have very uh you know amicable relationships with most people. So, um, yes, Trevor Bauer. Fuck, I don't know, man. That's a tough <laughs> I, well, you know, it's like, it, it's, you know, all right, uh, let me answer your question with a question. Oh, is, anybody, is anybody surprised, like genuinely surprised? I'm kind of surprised that the punt God never got picked up by anybody. After he's being exonerated and completely yeah. clear, I mean, is he damaged goods or is it because he's a punter? Now, starting pitcher because he's a punter. a punter. Yeah, you know. If he were a tackle, he would have gotten picked mm-hmm. up by now. If he were a wide receiver, he'd gotten picked up by now. Tight end, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I need to know more about the Trevor Bauer situation. See, I'm not educated enough on all of the specifics of that to be able to say whether it's a good idea or not a good idea. Regardless, you're going to have people who complain and who are never going to be. Or there's people who never forget, who were, were never going to forgive Michael Vick, even when I point out, like, just for the sake of the argument, he went to jail. He did his time. Yeah. So he got off or anything like that. And they say it doesn't matter if he did his jail time or not. Like, he killed dogs. And that's something that's not of. Uh, you know, I can't recognize that. Still. that like some know? people are still mad. Some people are like, all right, you're good. You did your time anyways. So Kinker, I yeah. do want to throw this to you though, because I told people on Monday not to come to me with union questions. I said, wait till Thursday when Kinker's sure. in the lead chair. Yeah. So the Philadelphia union, you wrote a, uh, a beautiful breakdown about 1200 words about your team, your town, your Philadelphia union, the team that continues to overachieve with what they have that continues to be well built by an executive in Ernst Tanner. Did you know Ernst is German for serious? It is. Uh, he keeps building a team with limited resources, and yet the Philadelphia Union, despite the fact that they made MLS Cup two years ago, despite the fact that they have established themselves as one of the best teams in the East, they have an owner who refuses to spend money on the actual team, on the starting 11, on the senior team, and continues to pour money allegedly into the academy. Mm-hmm. And my only question to you, Kevin, 
is why should anyone give a shit about the Philadelphia Union? I say that as someone who was once a season ticket holder. Is soccer dead in Philly? Union. Why should people care, Kev? Well, they should. Should they care? No, no. The answer is no, um, because there's, they're, they're essentially just running it back with the team that they just ran it back with. You know, and so last year we talked ourselves into the idea of this team just had a historic run. They scored 72 goals. They gave up like 20 something, had like a plus 50 some goal differential. Amazing. Went to MLS Cup. And we we all sold ourselves on the idea of like, OK, they're adding some depth, you know, to this team by making some trades within the league. No problem. I mean, largely kind of what the Phillies are doing this year. Right. Not what they did last year because they went out and got Trey Turner and they got Craig Kimbrell or whatever. But like. If you look at the number of positions that the union have upgraded since they went to MLS Cup in 2022, they have upgraded zero, zero. So amount of Oregon know, titles. When you're and and yet last year they got to the semifinals of two competitions and they got to the quarterfinals yep. of the playoffs. You know, so it's like the thing that bothers me, man, is like I like I get it, man. You want to you know build through the academy. You're never going to be a big spending team. Your investment is going to go into the homegrown pipeline and all that stuff. But you are. Like right the fuck there. You're you are right there. There's never mm-hmm. been, if there was ever a time to spend, it's it's now, right? And that's not you may not get back to this point in a long in a long time. Look at again, another Phillies Union comparison after 2012. Like Miami trying to get all the inner um, Messi's friends, like it's like Aaron Rodgers, pretty much. Like you should oh, try yeah, mm-hmm. like, yeah, in like Lionel Messi's trying to get his uh his Alan Lazard uh of soccer to come to come play there, you know. But it, but it's like it's that's what the frustration is though, Russ. It's like it's not that like we know this team is already really good and they're gonna throttle a bunch of teams this year, and they're probably gonna go back to the quarterfinals or the semifinals of the Champions League or the Champions Cup or whatever it's called now. And it's like, it's just needs that, like that little bit more investment. You know, nobody's asking for a ton, but they haven't upgraded any starting position from the team that went to the title game a couple of years ago. So it's like running it well, back the, one the, year. Sure. Running it back. The, you have to run it back. The problem is, though, and like this is where, you know, commissioners take shit all the time. Right. And like everybody in the NHL hates Gary Bettman. We know this. Right. Don Garber, because he is the. Oh, he's the the head of a league that not as many people care about. Doesn't catch the flack that he should. But if you're Don Garber and you have a team that has made the final and a team that is in one of the biggest sports markets in the country, don't you at some point have to have a conversation with Jay Sugarman that like the expectation from the league office is that you're going to spend? Now, I know that he can't force Jay Sugarman to spend. He could make life uncomfortable. He certainly could encourage highly the idea of having a minority owner that does have more money that would come in. Like I know that Kevin Durant, you know, invested a few years back, but that should be a, a thing from league office that like the expectation is you're a big market team. You've, yeah, yeah, you've yeah. got to do something. And in Miami, to, to Trevor's talking about Miami, yeah. like they're then bringing in all these superstars. It's going to try to like kind of pull some people along with them. It's not going to get the union to do anything different, but you know, LA Galaxy, who have been kind of out of it for a while now, they're going to say, we got to get back to the days of like David Beckham and Robbie Keane and all this shit, you know? And last, thing too. last thing I'll say, because I got to jump off and take Cammy to the uh, to the doctor here, and you guys can finish it up with whatever you want to do. The thing about Jay Sugarman, I've always said, is that at least he's honest with us about it. He's said many times, he's like, we're not going to line up with our, you know, what was the quote, Russ? We're not going to line up with our muskets against the other people and outshoot them or whatever. Probably a yeah, terrible sure. analogy after yesterday's events, but just bear with me here. Yes. 
he has because said muskets. Yeah. He has said on many times, and and Jim Curtin and other people have said that they're taken and uh, uh, you know they are not well as well equipped, and they're never going to be. He's admitted that they're not going to spend that kind of money, which is fine, but it's still underwhelming, you know. So if you ask me to rank all of the ownership groups in the city as far as like who is the most ambitious in terms of winning a title versus not, Jay Sugarman has to be dead last. There's no other way to to describe it. You're not going to rank him above Harris Blitzer. You're not going to rank him above Middleton. You're not going to rank him above Jeffrey Lurie. You know I think I mean? Harris Blitzer are probably number four, though. Harris Ooh. Blitzer would probably be twenty number four. But in Comcast, yeah. even if you look at Comcast as a corporate entity, the grouping of Danny Briere and John Tortorella and Keith Jones and like their their public faces of ownership. Yeah, I'd rank them above Jay Sugarman too. So, in to answer the question, no, nobody should should care. Thank you to Tony, and thank you to you guys. I'll see you. All right, all right. All right bye, Kevin. Kevin walks off the show. He doesn't even uh, remove himself from the stream. I'll do that. I, I got it, Craig. Don't worry. All right, so now let's do it. We move on with the show. We have one last thing to get to, and that, of course, is Hassan Reddick. Oh yes, on Monday, I lashed into. The Philadelphia Eagles for their apparent reported decision to allow for Hassan Reddick to seek permission to find a trade. And then it came out a little bit later. I think it was on Tuesday. The report was was refuted by Hassan Reddick himself that he did not request a trade. And then it came out. There was like a further clarification. I think it was Jay Glazer was the one that did it. But that Reddick had a certain number in mind. The agent had a number in mind. And what they wanted to do was get the Eagles to match that number. The Eagles said, no, go talk to other teams, figure out what they're willing. Let's set the market. And then let's come Mm -hmm. back and and renegotiate. Now, I still don't think that the Eagles are going to get this done. No. Which is, again, an insane stance to take if you think that you are going to be a Super Bowl contending team. But I get it. And I understand conceptually why you're saying, go figure out what the market is and then come back. If Hassan Reddick wants to be here, it looks like Howie Roseman's saying, you've got to take the hometown discount. If you want to be here, this is what you have to do. I don't know if I were him, if I were on what is probably going to be my last big money deal as an NFL player. I don't know if I'd want to be the one that no. uh, that discounts myself. But that appears to be what Reddick is facing. So, Trevor, let me throw this to you. Mm-hmm. Should the Eagles make that investment? Should they look to make a 30-plus million dollar investment in Hassan Reddick, or do you let him move on? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't trust the Eagles at all what they're going to do anyway. I think this team's not a Super Bowl team that coming this coming year. It's be Kellen Moore and Vic Fangio. I don't see it at all. I think he's going to get moved 100% because this team wants to get younger, and if you're going to get younger, you've got to do for the draft, but the Eagles fuck up on drafting all the time anyway, so I don't see it him getting a deal. If I, if I was in my hotel, I'm like, I'm not going to get a deal. I got to go somewhere else, honestly. Like, yeah. there's teams that need pass rush anyways. So that's how I see it, honestly. And this team needs more help than more work in the secondary than the, fr- the front four, I feel. Because we can see this. Fletcher's gone. Brandon Graham's going to be gone. Sunrise, are if they he wants to, Are they? Huh? I don't, I don't see they? Fletcher Cox coming back. I, I'm tired of the, oh, we're going to give you another one-year deal because you won a Super Bowl for us like so so many years ago. I'm tired of it, really. Like Sometimes you, gotta, you have to let them, let them go. Move along, you know? That's how I see it, you know? I see them doing the one more retirement tour. I'm I see the Eagles kind of pushing for it. I don't know if it's the right call. I don't know if it's a good call. 
their problem really is that they have so many holes on defense. And if you are going to tie up significant money into Hassan Reddick, who I would still argue is their most impactful defensive player, uh, I don't know where you're going to find the money elsewhere to go out and make those moves. Like, I would move on from Darius Slay and the animated corpse of James Bradbury, right? And I'd probably go try to find it. I'd try to go find at least one other safety. I'd try to find two linebackers. And then hope. Then you just cross your fingers, you hope, you pray. And between this draft and the next one, you hope that Howie somehow figures out how to draft impact defensive players who aren't going to be hurt. You hope that Jordan Davis takes another step. You hope that Jalen Carter takes another step. And you go from there. And we'll see. I mean, are you having regret on the Jordan Davis pick already? I don't know. Kyle Hamilton. I'm I'm starting to have that regret right now because I feel like our secondary has been brutal. I think that it's the 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 in fashion thing to question. I think that that move is the one that people get really excited and worked up about. But I'm not so sure that that it's worth getting upset about yet. I think you still need to see how this plays out for the next year or so. I think Jordan Davis still has the ability to be an impact interior lineman. But we'll see. Like again, we won't know if they made a mistake for I would say two more years. And if at that point it looks like Kyle Hamilton is a perennial all-pro and mm-hmm. Jordan Davis is a guy that you know, kind of turns into Broderick Bunkley. Well, then, okay, then you say that was a mistake. But at the time, it was a lauded move. Jalen Carter was a lauded move. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to think that at some point, these guys are kind of, they're going to figure it out. My big thing is I want to see what N'Kobe Dean looks like. I just need I, him to stay healthy. I don't think you he'll know? ever be healthy as an Eagle. I think he's an injury-riddled person. I remember there's reports of him. He's like, this dude is damaged goods, and I feel like we're we're in that point. He's like, he's never going to be healthy for the Eagles. And if I was the Eagles, I know the popular pick on Twitter and Eagles Twitter is like, get Jeremiah Trotter Jr. or get one of those Clemson linebackers, which I would do. I would also look at secondary help for too. Like I know Javon Holland's a free agent to be right now in Phil mm-hmm. in for Miami. The yeah. Eagles need help in secondary. The problem is Holland and Fangio hated each other. By the way, down here, I don't, I'm giving you inside info. So, and Wilkins is also a free agent. I would look at him too because I think you need younger pass rushers honestly here's the real question did the eagles move too quickly on hiring a defensive coordinator now that wilkes got fired like would wilkes have done more with this eagles defense than fangio it seems like they were locked in on having their guy bringing their guy back mm-hmm. i'm not saying that they would have hired wilkes i just think it's interesting that's a name that i don't think they expected to be on the free agent market for coaches and yet he is and whoever gets wilkes i think is going to end up being very very happy with their hire do you think but again, Dallas, we'll see. Do you think you'll end up in Dallas, you think? Because they don't have a DC right now. If I were J- like if I were Ray Jones, like it's a splashy move. Yeah. It's definitely one that you look at. You were unable to get Bill Belichick to to seriously consider being your head coach. I would say that, like, yeah, that probably makes some sense. Because I was looking at there because I think he could go there or honestly, that Al Harris guy for the Cowboys, I think he could be a D coordinator. Al Harris, like the yeah. former, the former defensive Eagles back. Legend, Harris, yeah. yeah. Eagles legend, yeah. Packers legend. So yeah, that's how I see. Um, by the way, Ford who loves calling me white Marcus, uh, pointed out <laughs> earlier in the week that he thought the whole thing was bullshit. The reason that people like me commented on it is because Schefter is the one who put it out. Schefter typically historically is not one who fabricates these things. And he's typically mm-hmm. fed the information by agents, Right. And by front office people like they're I mean, there's clearly we know that a lot of these national guys that break the news. A lot of times they're in one camp or the other. Shams typically seems embedded with the agents, whereas Woe just typically embedded with the front offices in the NBA. Right. Mm-hmm. And like we see that across all sports. These guys are very firmly embedded. And like what you started to see where so and so is now going to sign with whoever 
per, you know, what's his nuts agent of this yeah. agency. Like it, it is now very clear. They've become at least somewhat transparent. So, you know, we'll see. And he, you know, like this idea that they're just talking heads, they're not like if Dan Orlovsky had been the one who said Hassan Reddick, you know, was told to go look for a trade or asked to go look for a trade like that'd be one thing. But mm-hmm. when it's the ultimate national insider, that's not just a talking head. That's somebody who's paid to be the insider. That's somebody who's paid to, again, get themselves embedded with those people and get the inside scoop. So yeah. I would not call them talking heads. No. If you want to talk ahead, that's that's on Fox Sports 1 anyways. Those are talking heads. Chris Broussard. Oh. Right. Sources. Rick Buecher. Like, let's... Uh, anyway. Um, I think can that's I, probably... What? Can I ask you a few things about the Flyers? Sure. Your honest opinion about the stadium series. Has, has the stadium series jumped useless. the shark now? It's useless. I, I think so, too. This game is useless. I'm going to tell you why this game is useless. And here's an indication that the game is useless. All right? It's going to be nice, in theory, if you've never been to an outdoor game before. MetLife sucks. I don't Agreed. enjoy that stadium. Um, there's no juice for Flyers Devils. There might be in two years, but right now, no. Um, and I think that they 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 diluted the product by doing multiple stadium series games. The Winter Classic on New Year's was the way to go. Yes. And then they saw it as a money grab, and they overextended themselves, and now it doesn't mean nearly as much. So no, like I, I don't like look, I'm not going. I'm we not, talked I, about it. We talked, we talked about going up there and doing press row show live from the stadium series game, and we ultimately chose against it. We didn't apply for credentials. We said like we're just it's not worth it. It's not worth our time to go up and do it. It's not special enough. And again, it's mm-hmm. not against the team that you get totally yeah. excited for. I think if this had been Flyers Rangers, like different story, but not Flyers I would come Devils. Up for it, yeah, like I would have come up for Flyers Rangers, Flyers Devils. If this is 2002, I'll be down for it. To yeah. 2024? No, I'm out, really. Like, I'm going to go go see Conor McDavid play against the Dallas Stars this weekend in Dallas. So that seems way I just pictured fun. Conor McGregor on skates instead of Conor McDavid, and I have to tell you <laughs> that. What, the, what am I doing out here? Anyway. That, now, that's a scene right now. That's a scene yeah. I want to see. So You see the movie that he uh, he's he's going to be in? No, I've not. Actually. On Amazon I, Prime? All right. It's on an Amazon look it up. Prime movie. It's a, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be uh, – it was a roadhouse, I think. It's uh, It looks good. Conor McGregor in a movie. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, we will see how a lot of things go here on Crossing Broadcast. I want to thank Trevor for hopping on the show. I want to thank Tony Bruno, who came to us live, also from the Sunshine State. I want to thank Craig, who's behind the scenes. Don't forget, Trevor, I'm going I'm to bump you off here for a sec. Don't forget Monday's show. Pow! We're back at it again. Is it a Manic Monday? Mania Monday? What kind of Monday? I don't know. But we'll be reacting to everything that happens over the weekend. So that's from now on. I will tell you, it is an absolutely shitty sports weekend. There is no getting around it, but we're going to have fun on Monday. Uh, Just to give you context, tomorrow there are no NBA games because of the All-Star game. There are uh, no college basketball games. There's one NHL game on Friday. Saturday, there's some college basketball, a little bit of NHL, UFC 298. And then on Sunday, you have the All-Star game. Obviously, there are the All-Star-related activities that are going to happen during the weekend. But what I would like you to do is as you're taking in whatever sport you choose to watch this weekend, if it is UFC 298, if it is the All-Star game, if it's the three-point contest, if it's the dunk contest where apparently two G-leaguers are going to be, give me a call for Monday, 215-839-8477. Leave me a message with your thoughts on the biggest stories from this weekend. We'll talk about it on Monday. We'll be live streaming the show, Crossing Broadcast on all of the Crossing Broad platforms, including YouTube, X, and Facebook. But give me a call. Let me know. 
All you people who have been in the comments section live, those of you who comment after the fact, let your voice be heard. 215-839-8477. We're going to have a wild time together on Monday. We'll see how it goes, and we'll see if the Eagles, do they get a deal done with Hassan Reddick? Do the Phillies get a deal done with Zach Wheeler? We'll find out. So thanks for watching this episode, or maybe even listening in the podcast feed, to Crossing Broadcast, your favorite Philadelphia sports podcast. We'll talk to you on Monday.